Isaiah 52 verse um, 13. See, my servant will act wisely. We can read it together. I want this to be engraved in your brain. Uh, that's the whole point. Uh, See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man, and his form be beyond human likeness, so will he sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouth because of him, for what they were not told they will see, and what they have not heard they will understand. Who has believed our message, and to whom the arm of the Lord has been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we would desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and he carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. That's the verse we're going to stop at today. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Amen. So we're going to stop. Um, well, again, we have been um, talking about Isaiah 53, Shadows of Golgotha. Today is actually week number 8. So it has been two months in Isaiah 53. We still have a few more weeks to go. So today we're going to stop at that verse 6 that reads, All we like sheep have gone astray, each one to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. We talked about that throughout Isaiah 53. We read about the servant of the Lord who will become our substitute. The one who will take our sins upon himself. We were just reading in verse 4 that he carried our transgressions. That he bore our iniquities. And the chastisement that bring us peace was upon him. So everything that we should deserve, all the punishment that we should deserve, the Lord took it away from us and has put it on that servant, which, who is that servant? He is the Lord Jesus. And that verse is pretty much a continuation of that very theme that we see throughout Isaiah 53. We mentioned there's about 11 times in Isaiah 53 where we see that the servant, that's the Lord Jesus, has taken our place and was our substitute. 
Isaiah 53 verse 6 here is one of these 11 times that we read that the servant Jesus, that the servant of the Lord has taken our place on the cross. And this is what the verse reads again. All we like sheep have gone astray, each one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What a, what a powerful, I mean, I can sit down. This is just an amazing service right there, right? So powerful. Let's just highlight uh, three points in that, sir, in that verse that we can see here. We see that th this verse talks about three different things. Number one, an utter lostness. Number two, an unexpected love. And number three, an unparalleled Savior. Let's see this three, say these three together so I know you're getting it with me. Number one is an utter lostness. Number two, an unexpected love. And number three, an unparalleled Savior. Let's start with the first point, an utter lostness. And that's what Isaiah was talking about here, the first part of the verse. How many have gone astray? All. All of us. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us to his own way. I think what Isaiah had in mind when he wrote that very phrase is the exact same picture that Jesus saw when he was serving and ministering and he looked on the crowd and the Bible say that Jesus had compassion on them because they were scattered everywhere like a sheep without shepherd. It is the exact same picture I believe that Isaiah has in mind here. It looks like when Jesus saw the crowd, imagine this picture with me, a bunch of hills, bunch of valleys, and there's thousands of people, there, everyone is everywhere, nobody has a plan, nobody is going uh, in anywhere systematically, everybody's everywhere, everybody's doing their business, everybody's scattered, everybody is just distracted, and everybody's everywhere. And Jesus looks at that and they see them as sheep without shepherd. And he had compassion on them. And that's pretty much what Isaiah was saying here. He's saying that all humanity are like that. We're all distracted. We're all all over the place. And each one of us is busy doing his own thing. Right? And sadly, each one of us went his own way. And each one of our ways was apart and away from God. And none of us even wanted to pursue the Lord. The picture that Isaiah is trying to portray here is a picture of an utter lostness that the whole human race is like sheep, scattered, distracted, doesn't even know what they're doing. Each one is busy doing their own thing. So let's look in the Bible. How do sheep go astray? Because this is how you and I go astray according to Isaiah, right? So let's see in the scripture how sheep do go astray. And we'll see actually that sheep going astray is quite frequent in the scripture. And there is so many uh, scripture that talks about that. We see that sheep can go astray collectively. We see that sheep go astray foolishly. We see that sheep go, away, go astray dangerously. And then we see that sheep go away helplessly. Number one, sheep go away collectively. And that's pretty much the point that Isaiah is saying here, right? How many, according to Isaiah, have gone astray from God? All, right? Yeah. 
He said that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Not a single person, according to Isaiah, was trying to do the will of God or what is pleasing to God. Each one of us was going far away from God. So sheep, when they go away, they go away collectively. It's the whole, it seems like we see multiple verses in the Bible where that picture is being portrayed, where the whole flock is just going astray. Not just one, but everyone is going astray. In Mark 6, 34, we read this. When Jesus... Um, Landed and saw a large crown. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without shepherd. Again, do you see the same picture? The whole crowd is distracted everywhere. And Jesus looked at them and it's like a group of sheep that is being distracted everywhere. And they have no shepherd. First Kings 22, 17. Then Micaiah, who was one of the prophets, answered, I saw Israel, look at this, I saw Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without shepherd. You guys see that pictures? A bunch of hills, the whole nation, everybody is scattered everywhere, and they have no shepherd, no one to pull them together. So we see that picture over and over and over again, that when sheep go astray, they go astray. Collectively, the whole flock go astray. Not just one here or one there. Sometimes we see that also, but sometimes we see that the whole flock go astray. And that's the precise picture that Isaiah is trying to tell us, that we all like sheep have gone astray. And isn't that precisely also what Paul told us in Romans chapter 3? That we sinned against God and that not a single person in this world was righteous before God or even attempting to be righteous before God. Amen? Romans 3, 10 to 12. As it is written, there is how many righteous? None, None righteous. No, not one. If you're questioning the first part that there is none righteous, he mentioned it to you a couple of more times so you don't miss it. Amen? There is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands. How many understands? None who understands. There is how many who seek after God? None. There have all turned aside. Very similar to what Isaiah was telling us here, that each one of us has turned to his own way. They have together become unprofitable. There is how many who does good? None, None who does good. No, not one. Isn't that amazing? Like, I was thinking about that. <clears throat> I was thinking about that. The picture, let's say at, at that time there was a few million people uh, in Isaiah's time, or the nation of Israel represent a few million people. And Isaiah said that each one of the sheep has turned to his own way, right? That means, Isaiah is telling us, there is few million ways that people have turned into, right? Yet not a single one will turn toward the way of God. Why is that not a way that somebody might consider? Well, that wasn't an option. Amen? Everybody was considered their own way. Everybody considered their own uh, self-interest. And nobody was thinking about God. Nobody is caring about God. Nobody is trying even to please, to please God. I mean, look at our world today. We have about 1.5 billion Muslim. About 1 billion Hindu. About you know, like a lot of crazy religions. We have 1.5, maybe 2 billion Catholics. Uh, Catholics can be saved. I'm not saying they're not. But what I'm saying is there's a lot even of Christians who claim to be evangelical, who are in churches, yet they're still pursuing their own way. They're not trying to pursue the way of God. They're still trying to do good works to please God. Each one of us has gone his own way. Amen? Sheep go astray collectively and the, full, the whole human race has gone astray from God collectively as well. But number two, sheep go away foolishly. Look at this. 
In Matthew 18, 12, what do you think, Jesus said, if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that has wandered off? Do you see the picture here? Okay, obviously the shepherd cared for the sheep, that's the point. But I want you to think about how dumb that sheep is, right? The sheep leaves the shepherd, leaves the flock that can kind of protect it and surround it, and the sheep just go by itself, wander whoever it goes, wherever it goes, just so foolishly, apart from the shepherd, the only one that can protect that sheep. Amen? Zechariah 10.2 The idols speak deceitfully. Diviners see visions that lies. They tell dreams that are false. They give comfort in vain. Therefore, the people wander like sheep. What? Afflicted for lack of the shepherd. Isn't that just amazing that a sheep will choose to go astray and choose affliction over the protection of the shepherd? It is true. You know why? Because sheep are so dumb. They're so foolish. And when they wander, they just wander foolishly. Isn't that true? And isn't that just you and me? Right? I mean, look at our time and age. You can't help it. Turn on the news. When you see prominent men, politician or whoever, and these people ruin their career, their life, all their accomplishments, they ruin everything. Because all the allegations of sexual harassment that come through, right? And they resign their job, they ruin their lives, they ruin their careers, they hurt their wives, they hurt their kids, they hurt their families, the only people that care about. And they foolishly just ruin everything because of uh, sin. Isn't that how we do stuff? We wander, we wander away from God foolishly. Under the, the, the pleasure of sin, we go pursue it. We don't care about who we hurt. Even if we end up hurting ourselves in the process, sometimes we don't even care. All what we care about is the, the imminent gratification of sin. We wander foolishly. Amen? Amen. But we also, or sheep also wander dangerously. Look at that. Ezekiel 34, 5. So they were scattered, uh, scattered because there was no shepherd. And they were scattered. And when they were scattered, they become what? Food for all the animals. When a sheep is by itself wandering everywhere, that's a dangerous place. Amen? Because lions and tigers and all kinds of wild animals can attack that sheep and kill it. So when a sheep wander, the sheep wander dangerously. They go in dangerous ways. Amen? Amen? And isn't that precisely how we sin against God? I mean, people who smoke, you know that you are killing yourself. You're ruining your health. You're ruining your lung. You're more susceptible to cancer. And you still do it. You wander dangerously. Look at people who do drugs or alcohol and they know, they know, they know that this sin is ruining them. It's destroying their life and their health and damaging every good thing in their life. And they still do it. Because when we sin against God, we expose ourselves to sin and to danger and to death. And yet, we still do it anyways. Isn't that true? And finally here, when sheep wander, they wander helplessly. Look at that. Psalm 119 verse 176. I have strayed like a lost sheep. 
And then what did the psalmist say after that? Oh, I'm going to make it back whenever I want. Does it say that? But I know the way. I'll figure it out in just a little bit. Does the sheep say that? The psalmist said, Seek your servant, for I have not forgotten your command. He's saying, I have sinned. I am like a lost sheep. But God, I can even come back to you in my own strength, in my own merit. I want you to come after me. And I want you to seek me. Because if you're not going to take the initiatives, if you're not going to come after me, there is absolutely no way that I can come back to you in my own strength, in my own ability. Amen? Amen. Matthew 9.36 when he saw the crowds, Jesus saw the crowds. That's the same story that we just read about in, in Mark. But Matthew added a couple of extra words that we don't see in Mark 6.34. Matthew 9.36 says this. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were harassed and what else? Helpless. Helpless. Like what? Sheep. Like sheep without a shepherd and that's precisely how sheep go astray I mean the whole point of the shepherd going after the sheep that Jesus mentioned to us multiple times is that the sheep can't make its way back through its own strength by its own power the shepherd has to go after the sheep the shepherd has to climb mountains go through valleys endure the sun endure the cold so he can go after the sheep and bring it back because the sheep cannot come back by itself to the shepherd or to the master amen, amen. sheep when they go astray they go astray collectively they go astray foolishly they go astray dangerously and they go away go astray helplessly isn't that just you and me and the way we live our lives away from God? Amen? We choose to sin against God. We choose to do foolish stuff. So dumb. Yet we choose sin over God. We know that sin can ruin our lives, can ruin our relationships. Yet we choose to do it over doing the right thing. We bring danger and death upon ourselves. And we know that it doesn't matter how hard you try, you can't come back to God in your own merit, in your own power. The Lord has to seek after you. Somebody has to come and rescue you. Amen? Amen. So this is an utter lostness. I mean, think about the helplessness and the hopelessness of a sheep that is lost, that cannot make its way back, that is 100% being exposed to danger. Isn't that a bad situation? And if it's not for a shepherd to go after the sheep, this sheep is good as is as good as dead because it cannot come back and it's just being exposed to to danger every single second in the in the, in the time that she's being astray from the shepherd. And that's precisely how you and me are apart from God. We're helpless, we're hopeless, we're being exposed to the wrath of God, the judgment of sin, and there's absolutely no hope for us. We all, like sheep, has gone astray, each to his own way. Amen? Now, if you never read the Bible before and they ask you to stop right here, we all, like sheep, have gone astray, each to his own way, and the Lord, okay, and I stay here, I say here, stop, I want you to continue this sentence by yourself. What should follow that phrase, and the Lord? What should come next? What should be your options? What, what would you think will come next? I tell you what I think should come next. The following phrase should say, And the Lord punished us because we deserve it. Does that make sense? No. 
it makes sense, but that's what's the way it's supposed to be, right? Like, we, we sinned against God, we told him, you know, we shake the fist in his face, we don't want you, and God said, well, I don't want you too. That makes sense, doesn't it? It's more natural, it's more logical that the following sentence after that would say, and the Lord punished us or gave us the judgment that we rightly deserve. That makes perfect sense, that is perfect logic. Perfect logic. You don't pursue God, God doesn't pursue you, right? But isn't that amazing what we see come after that? When we were running away from God, and instead of God leaving us by itself, He comes after us. When we shake the fist in His face and we say, we don't want you, we want our foolish, dangerous, helpless way. What would God do in, in return? He comes after us with His mercy, with His grace, and with His undeserved love. Amen? Isn't that just mind-blowing? Look at the very next second part of that verse. And the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Amen? And today, if you're sinning against God, if you're living your own life, your own way, I want to tell you that there is a God in heaven whose heart is still full of love for you. He doesn't care how much sin you have committed or how far you have gone away from Him. He loves you no matter what and He's still willing to take you in. If you just give Him a chance, He'll bring you in. As a matter of fact, I believe that the very reason you're here today, hearing these very words right now, is because God God is coming after you and he says I love you and I'm still willing to take you back no matter since you have already committed amen? amen and we see that theme over and over and over and over in the scripture Ephesians 2 1 to 5 look at this and you were dead in trespasses and sin in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath just like the others and what is the following verse it should say so God let us be and he just punished us for our own sins does it say that no look what follows that but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses he made us alive together with Christ Jesus amen this is good news friends amen Romans 3 19 to 20 now look at this now we know that whatever the law says it speaks to those who are under the law so that this is the conclusion that Paul has driving now from Romans 1 1 he's driving to that point right here every mouth must be stopped and the whole world might be held accountable before God amen Everyone was sinned. He proved that the Jews has sinned, the Gentiles has sinned, everyone has sinned against God. What is verse 21 says? But now, after everyone has sinned, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Do you see that? When everyone sinned against God, instead of God punishing everyone which we absolutely rightly deserve, what would God do in return? He gives His righteousness and He makes it available to all. Because all have sinned, God decided to be gracious to all. Amen? Amen. 
And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. God is not mad at you. He's mad at your sins. He's not angry at you. He might be angry at your sins, but he loves you. And he's still willing to take you back no matter how far you have gone, how helplessly you have wandered, how dangerously you have wandered, and how foolishly you have wandered. God loves you and he's still willing to take you back. Amen? Amen. But how can he take you back? How can, what's he going to do with your sin? You already have sinned. You already messed it up. Do you, want, do, you know, do you want to know the way how God will take you back? That will be the last part of that verse. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us. Oh, that's the way, that's the method, that's the reason why I will ever take you back. Because he did not just let your sin go unpunished. He just punished somebody else for your sins. Amen? And because God has taken your sins off you and has laid it on Jesus on the cross, now a holy and a righteous God is not just willing, but he's also able to take you back because Jesus has paid for, sins on, for your sins on the cross. Amen? Now, a lot of the translations will read that verse like this, Isaiah 53:6. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. But the NIV, not even the one that we were just reading today, the correct Hebrew translation of this verse is not, is not, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. It's this, all we, like sheep, have gone astray. So the Hebrew starts with the word, all doesn't start with the word we. Amen? There's a point to that. Isaiah is trying to give us a message by starting that verse by the word all. Because if you continue through that verse, it says this. All we like sheep have gone astray, each to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us. All. all. So do you see that the verse starts with the word all and ends with the word all. You guys see that? So what Isaiah is trying to do here is trying to make the, the last all, the iniquity of us all, is trying to make this word so emphatic and he's trying to link it to the first all. What Isaiah is trying to tell us here is this, the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all, and then he say, remember all, that all that I have just talked about, all we have gone astray. That's precisely what Isaiah is trying to say here, that the very sin that you have committed that made you wander away from God and go astray, this Every single sin that you have committed against the holy and the righteous God has been laid upon Christ on the cross and he has fully paid for it. Amen? Amen. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. That word laid upon him. I don't think that English really gives it do it justice. When you read it, you would think like, you know, like I'm taking my phone and I'm just laying it on that chair. You might get the impression of like gently laying something on top of something. But that's not really what the Hebrew is telling us here. The idea here in Hebrew is to meet, like when you have a place and two things meet on that place, to meet upon him. The idea here is God has caused our sins 
to rush on him. It, it has a hostile connotation to it. So literally what Isaiah is saying here that the Lord has caused our sin to be rushed upon Christ on the cross. And it's kind of the idea when you say two rivers or a couple of rivers meet in the, in the, in the ocean. When rivers meet in the ocean, this is not just water gently sliding into other water. It's like rushing water that slams into the other water. That's precisely what Isaiah is trying to tell us here. That the wrath of God was rushed upon Christ. That God was in a way hostile toward Christ on the cross. And he caused all his wrath and all his anger to meet on Christ on the cross. To rush upon him. Amen. Because God is a holy and a righteous God. And even though He loves you, even though He's going after you, even though He wants you to come back to Him, yet He cannot tolerate your sin. Amen? And He's not going to let your sin go unpunished. It doesn't matter how much He loves you. He cannot till your sins go unpunished. But He loves you so much so that He has decided that He will take your very own sin, the very judgment that you and I rightly deserve, and make that very just judgment be rushed on Christ on the cross so you and me can have eternal life. Amen? If it wasn't for the cross, if it wasn't for Jesus dying for us and taking our place, there would have been absolutely no way for any one of us to be made right with God. Amen? But it is because of the cross. It's because Jesus paid the price on the cross. Now you and I can have eternal life and not just have it, but also be sure of it. Amen? 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 Today you can leave this place knowing that you have eternal life. It's not a matter of hoping. It's not a matter of uh, maybe. It's a matter of I know that I know that I know that I have eternal life. Amen? Amen. Let me just use this analogy and then we're going to close. I told you earlier that we have some groceries, um, food bank in, in the kitchen. And you feel free to, to, to go help yourself, okay? So let's say there's a bag of potatoes that you liked and you take it, okay? Now imagine yourself walking outside the building with a bag of potatoes in your hand and you're saying, man, I hope I can have some potatoes. Does that make any sense to anybody? No. If you have the bag of potatoes, you know that you have a bag of potatoes, right? You don't have to hope to have potatoes when you actually hold it in your hand, right? And that's precisely how eternal life works. You see, the Bible we're just reading, none of us deserve eternal life. Amen? Not the pastor, not the bishop, not, not Mother Teresa, not the Pope. Not of, none of us deserve eternal life. Amen? But because Jesus paid for it, we can know that we have eternal life if we repent, if we turn from our sins and ask Him to come into our heart and change us. Amen? Just like that bag of potato. The church paid for it. It's available to you for free. Amen? Now, the potatoes are available, but you're the one who have to decide to take it. We're not going to... Open your arms, to open your palm, the palm of your hand, and force you to have potatoes in your hand. You guys follow me? So even though it's paid for, even though it's free, even though it's available to you, you have to decide to take it. And once you decide to do so, you don't have to keep questioning if you have it or not. Because once you decide to have it, it's yours. You have to be certain of that. You guys follow me? 
It's the exact same thing when it comes to eternal life. Jesus paid for it on the cross. But you come to him and say, Jesus, it is sin that makes me at odds with God. So today I am leaving sin. I'm 100% committing to you. And because of my commitment to you today, I'm going to die my, to myself and I'm going to start living for you. And by doing that, you're in an essence accepting that free gift from God, the eternal life. And once you do so, you don't have to keep questioning yourself if you have eternal life or not. Because Jesus already paid for it on the cross and you have made the commitment to receive that eternal life. Amen? Amen. Why don't we close by saying verse Isaiah 53 verse 6 one more time all of us together. All we like sheep have gone astray, each to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. If this is not good news to you, I don't know what would be good news. Amen. Let's close our eyes and pray.